Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back, Miami Hurricanes fans. We're going to have another Through the Smoke podcast today and touch on some of the most recent news and do our last little bit of previewing for the upcoming month of spring football. Uh, David Lake here with Christopher Stock. Uh, excited to get into it here with you, Chris. Can you believe spring football right around the corner? Yeah, it's, it felt like it, it just ended, right? Like it, the, the season just continues and, and there's a lot to talk about um, with spring ball. There's a lot of guys I think that really need positive springs heading into the summer and and looking to, to earn playing time. I think there's a lot of guys that, that need to show improvement and definitely excited to get through this as well. There, there, these positions we're going to talk about today, certainly keys in doing that. So there's been a little bit of a tweak, I guess, officially with, with the start of spring football. I think it was back on uh, the February National Signing Day. Manny Diaz kind of uh, like unofficially confirmed, I guess, that uh, spring might start on March 13th. Uh, I'd been hearing, I think you had too, you posted on the board, but that, that date might have been moved to March 15th as the start date. And uh, earlier this week, Miami confirmed that, that the first practice will be on Monday, March 15th. And of course, they will hold 15 practices. And this, the month of spring football is going to end on April 17th. Um, Chris, I don't know if you know the answer to this. I don't know. Um, but have you heard anything? I know a lot of fans are curious on like, will there be any scrimmages? Will there be a spring game? Anything like that? I know I haven't really dug into it, but I know like my expectations are kind of like, I, I expect most things to be closed off. Um, do, do you have any insight on that at all? No, I, I haven't heard a term. I assume they're going to have this similar three scrimmages like they've had. I, I would be surprised if they had, you know, a big spring game like they've had in the past. What, what they did say when they released the information, they did say that, you know, media is not going to be available as of now um, right. in terms of viewing periods and things like that. And um, so we'll just operate it as planned. And if anything changes, we'll certainly do our best. But, you know, the one thing that we've been able to do, you know, with all those interviews and, and stuff, we've been able to ask a lot of questions a lot sure. of questions to coaches and players and, and kind of get a lot of answers and um, we'll still continue to do that. But yeah, I, I don't expect anything, but certainly fans uh, will definitely let you know as soon as we know something, if it changes. So again, going to start on March 15th and scheduled as of right now to end on April 17th. And as always, you know, stay locked on to inside the We'll have plenty of updates, plenty of stories. I know, Friday, we're recording this on a Thursday, Friday, uh, Miami is making Manny Diaz and offensive coordinator Rhett Lashley available to the media. So check back the site on Friday for, for the most recent updates and takeaways from those availabilities. Uh, moving on to, I think, another thing, another newsworthy item to touch on here real quickly. Um, Wednesday, late Wednesday night, uh, Miami suffered a decommitment. They only had two commitments in this 2022 class at this stage in uh, Brandon Cleveland and Jamal Johnson, both defensive tackles. On Wednesday night, Jamal Johnson uh, took to social media and announced that he would be decommitting from Miami. I think Gabby Urutia on the last podcast kind of hinted that this, this might be the way things were trending in that recruitment. I know uh, Jamal had told Gabby that, that he hadn't really spoken much to Miami here in recent weeks. He had hoped that communication would pick up. And, you know, I think basically what happened was, you know, the message was sent, the message was clear. Hey, it's probably 
best to part ways. Um, you know, Jamal certainly is a very good high school football player, a productive high school football player. I just think there's concerns about his size, how that would translate to the college level. Certainly moves well, but, um, you know, he, he's kind of in that 6'2", 240, 250 pound range. And I'm not sure if his frame can hold much more weight for to be a power five defensive tackle. Um, you know, I, I don't know the answer to this, Chris, but have you seen much of Jamal or do you, do you, do you have an opinion on him as a player at this point? Yeah. I want to say I, I saw maybe two or three other games on film last year. Um, I, I was focused more on, on Thad Franklin there at Chaminade, but you know, I, I think, you know, when decommitments happen, I, I hate to, you know, just pour on, on, well, they didn't want him anyways, or, sure. you know, he wasn't that good because, you know, where was that talk before? And, and I think Gabby did talk about that at the camp, you know, in the last podcast, like, you know, he wasn't a guy that, that stood out completely and, and we'll see. And I think some of that happens when I was watching film, I, I didn't see a guy that, you know, dominated and stretches or anything like that. But again, I only saw him two or three games from, from last season. And, um, but defensive, one, one thing I'll say, defensive tackle, sometimes we, we see that with, with that position. You don't always see that repetitive making plays behind the backfield. And again, unless you're Leonard Taylor, which seemed to do it all the time, uh, any game you flipped on. But yeah, so it's, I think in the bigger picture, you know, now you're down to one commitment and, and we'll kind of see how this, these next few months go, because I think sometimes, you know, are you, are you concerned or, or is it okay? And I, and I know everything is really tricky with recruiting right now, but mm-hmm. um, last year they got so much um, praise for how they handled recruiting and, and getting the, the commitments early and things like that. So I think people are definitely looking forward to that information and, and seeing some positive things happen with it, with this class, because certainly it's a phrase you talk about all the time is stacking classes. So uh, they definitely need to have a, a good one in this class and not, you know, essentially rest on, on what they did last year. Yeah. I will say this. Like I do know like Miami, they, they would like to get bigger in the front seven in particular uh, in terms of body types. Right. And so if that's a goal, then, you know, I think it does make sense maybe to, to part ways with Jamal Johnson and certainly wish him the best of luck wherever he lands. He'll still land at a quality program, wherever that may be. I will say this too, in terms of like the defensive end guys, that were there at this camp, the, the one guy, and I hinted at this in the last podcast, the one guy who also struck me as particularly like noticeably undersized was Dante Anderson. So, and, and, you know, as we said too, in the last podcast, Manny Diaz was there. He was able to evaluate and see all these guys lined up, you know, one after one after one in line at these camps going through reps. And so certainly if I noticed it, an amateur amateur eye like myself that then Manny Diaz noticed it too. And I will say this, like the other, the, the one, I guess I should say the one defensive, the one commitment Miami has right now is at the defensive tackle position and Brandon Cleveland. I think they are interested in Daniel Lyons who, who hails from Homestead and is certainly a bigger body type than what Jamal Johnson has at this stage. And, you know, I'm sure that they'll continue to go big game hunting at that position as well. So um, again, wish Jamal all the best wherever he does land uh, next. I think the next topic we'll get into here is a little more positive Uh, before Jamal Johnson committed. uh, I think it was a day or two before uh, Miami got some good news with the addition of running back Cody Brown, who is a, four-star prospect out of the state of Georgia. Um, I've never seen him in person. Uh, so, you know, all my takes on him are, are basically what, what his highlights show. And, you know, I have to admit, Chris, I do like, like, if, if I'm going to put together the type of running back that I like, I like the type of guy that Cody Brown is as a player. He's, he's not the fastest guy and obviously speed is important. Um, you know, you, you could make the argument speed is the most important trait for me though, at running back, just my personal preference. I like guys with vision. I like guys with patience. I like guys with contact balance guys that have that size at around 220 pounds. And Cody Brown is that type of guy. So in a way I think, 
He does complement nicely the backs they signed in 2020 in Jalen Knighton and Don Chaney Jr. He's also a nice, you know, bigger back. Miami signed uh, Thad Franklin in this 2021 class. So that gives them two bigger backs to go along with those two speedier type backs. Um, what, what is your take on the commitment of, of Cody Brown at Miami? Do you like it? Do you think it makes sense with their roster management? Do you like him as a player? Yeah, I think running back is tough to recruit because a lot of people want quality running back. So if you have a chance to get Cody, whether it's the 2021 class like he is, then you go after him. You don't, I, I don't think you wait for the next class and maybe you get a guy at that caliber and try to, to balance out the class even more. I just think if you have an opportunity to get him, you get him. And the thing that stood out to me, and again, watching on film is, is that balance. Um, you, you talk about maybe the speed isn't there, but you know, that top end it's elite good speed that we're talking about. Yeah. We're, you know, this isn't a slow guy by any means. Right. And if you look at his highlight thing is a highlight film, he's reeling off big runs. And, and what stands out to me is that balance. He's, he's showing good footwork um, for a bigger guy. And he, you know, he's, he's going through tackles. Um, there's opportunities where it certainly looked like he could go for a loss or a short gain. And he's able to power through and has good footwork. I think that could certainly still improve at, at once you get to college. So I like that he ha he's been productive. Yes, I like that he's a highly regarded guy by people that really follow the, follow him closely. And I think when when you get an opportunity to get a guy like that, you bring him in, and and we'll see. I like that they're adding to the running back room rather yes. than feeling like okay, we got Jalen and Don as young young players. That's a nice piece, but I, I like that they're still looking forward because uh, it's not enough, and you never know. I'm not saying anybody's going to leave or anything like that, but you can feel very confident one day and, and not the next because if someone leaves unexpectedly or something happens, injury, anything like that. Um, so yeah, I, I like the addition and I think it, it was good and we'll, and we'll see how he does when he gets on campus. And the expectation right now is that he is going to be counted forward in this 2022 cycle. Um, so maybe won't arrive until late summer, uh, much like Jared Williams did last year as, as a transfer addition. Um, but, but another reason why they felt like it made sense to add Cody, um, you know, it, it's kind of a weak year, honestly, in the state of Florida for the 2022 cycle in the running back class. So uh, Miami feels good about adding a guy like Cody Brown. I don't, I don't know if they're going to ignore the running back position for the 2022 cycle, but at least they, they feel like they have that kind of luxury there where it's like, okay, we, we got Cody Brown. Maybe we don't have to reach for a guy and, um, you know, they can try and add a guy that they feel like is, is definitely ultra talented in that 2022 class. Um, and, and the last thing I think we should get to, into here a little bit before we, we continue with our spring football previews, Chris, is Miami's Pro Day has been set for March 29th. Um, sounds like I think it's going to be televised live on the ACC network. So if you're one of the people that, that does have access to the ACC network, you can watch uh, the guys go through, go through the workouts there. Um, but Chris, I want to get your take on, um, you know, the, the, the main guys that are going to be hopefully hearing their names selected in the, in the NFL draft sooner rather than later. Um, the guys like Greg Rousseau, Jalen Phillips, Quincy Roche, Brevin Jordan, Jose Borregales. Um, would you, would you bet on these guys? Would, do you feel good about all these guys going into the, the NFL draft? Cause I mean, quite frankly, we're around them a lot. Right. And, and we know what works at the NFL level, what doesn't in terms of maturity and ability, um, how do you feel like those guys are going to translate to the NFL? You know, I think they're all going to be fine. And I, and I don't know if I would always say that every draft class, I, I don't know if I'm always like, yeah, every piece will, will work out in the NFL because, you know, making that transition is difficult. And some of the times, you know, we see, even if they have success at Miami, you do wonder how it's going to translate. But I'm, I, I think about all five of those guys and I think it will translate once they yeah. get in, if they get into good situations, good teams, particularly with the defensive ends. If you if you get into a defense that really is able to take advantage of what they do really well, and all three of them do things really well, I, I think they'll they'll do well in the NFL. And and also same way with Brevin Jordan. 
Um, yeah. The team that drafts him is going to know what he is and they're going to like a lot about what he does. And then I guess if I were to guess, you know, if I were to say one, uh, maybe Borgalis, but that's just because it's so hard to land hard. a starting kicking job. It's nothing against his ability. It's just, it's just very limited. Um, but every time we've seen him kick, whether it's workouts, you know, practices, any type of game situation, he's always looked good and done well. And um, he has a history of, of being a top performer throughout his career, not just at UM. And um, you definitely feel like he'll be a guy that's given an opportunity. Um, but uh, once again, just limited jobs. But yeah, all, I think all five. And I assume you've, I'm just curious your thoughts on that. And if there's anybody. Yeah, you know, I want to know, like, who would you bet on, right? And, and this is all in relative to where they are selected. Okay, so we're grading, we're grading Greg Rousseau and Jalen Phillips kind of on that first first round grade, first round level. Let's say Quincy Roche in that second and third round level, Brevin Jordan in that third and fourth, and then, you know, Borregales maybe a seventh rounder. Um, so relative to what the expectations might be of these guys, who, do you, who would you bet on of these guys? I, I, of the three defensive ends, I would go with Jalen. I, I think Jalen's a pro. I, I think he's got a pro mentality and has got elite athleticism. And, and I think what we saw this past season, he really took a big jump in his career in terms of a full season and that whole thing, but also just being a full-time defensive end and, and making plays. But I think of those three, I think Greg is a guy that, you know, he's going to work hard and, and he's going to try. He's, he's got that humble ability, um, just that never satisfied type thing. Um, even though he does so many things seemingly easy with his athleticism and length, but he's a guy that works hard. And then Quincy's another guy that just getting to know him this past year, just a guy that, that seems like a pro. And once again, if a team, the team that drafts him, you know, they're going to know what he is. And if he's going to play in that three, four as an outside linebacker, or if they're going to put him on the end, they can kind of move him around a little bit. My guy. So my guy, honestly, I'd go with Greg Rousseau. And I feel like, you know, the, the buzz on Greg Rousseau right now. And again, who knows what to make of any type of NFL draft buzz, because it could all just be gamesmanship. Right. Um, but, but kind of the buzz right now is, is Greg Russo might be slipping a little bit on NFL draft boards. And I get it from the standpoint of he didn't play in 2020. So the last time, the, the latest film on him is from 2019. Um, you know, really, he was, he was still a raw player in 2019, right? Like he had only been playing defensive end for what, one or two years at that point. And so, yeah, he was kind of just getting away, uh, making plays with his raw athleticism, length and motor. Right. Um, but for me, I, I, again, I'm a glass half, half full kind of guy. I view that as a, as a positive. I look at Greg Rousseau and I say, wow, what can he be once he really starts uh, honing his craft at defensive end? Um, gets a, gets a lot of reps at that position, considering he still has immense athleticism. Uh, his his stature and his wingspan is elite. So for me, I don't understand why Greg Rousseau is not viewed as a top ten prospect. Um, that doesn't seem like it's going to happen anymore. It was happening in the way 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 too early mock drafts for this NFL draft, but he's. He's definitely slipped. And if I was a team drafting in the second half of the first round, I, I would be taking Greg Rousseau all day because I think the guy has Hall of Fame potential. And at that position, I would not pass that up. So let's take a commercial break here. And on the back end, we will get into the final position groups for our spring preview. Uh, linebacker slash striker, and then we will dive into the secondary and how that's looking in 2021. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, Chris, we're back. Um, let's jump into the position group that uh, kind of ha- gives me the most pause, honestly, with this 2021 team. And that's linebackers, specifically, you know, the quote unquote inside guys on this, on this defense, right? The middle slash weak side linebacker spots. Um, honestly, I don't know. I don't know what we learned from this position group in 2020, other than it wasn't good enough. Um, and it sounds like it's going to be a wide open competition this spring for those starting spots at the middle and weak side. Um, what are you expecting to see and expecting to find out in 2021? Can it get better than we saw in 2020? Yeah, I don't think there's any question. I, I felt like I, I've spoken on this a number of times, but I just feel like the linebacker position was the glaring weakness of the team last year. I felt like, um, you're like you said, what did you learn? What is what is the potential of the young players? And I feel like fan it just seems like there was a lot more attention on what was going on at cornerback and I don't know if it's because it was big plays or you notice it more but I just felt like the linebacker play was subpar it was a reason a primary reason why they got beat pretty bad in some of those games (laughs) and and they just looked awful and I don't know if there's not another position group that needs a strong spring other than this group and I know the coaches talked about that like look last year only four spring practices and it felt like they they thought that a lot of the young guys didn't get that development that they would have liked um, during that time. I'm curious to see how they do. I, it's hard for me to sit here and think that they're going to be markedly better um, than the next season. So, but we'll see. I, I'm very curious to see how that group pans out, and obviously, um, changing with coaches and, and things like that. Maybe something will come of it, and and we'll see. Yeah, I mean. You want to talk about how in the ways that this group was bad, it was pretty much in every way that a linebacker uh, needs to be good, right? So they, they took bad angles in pursuit. They struggled to get off blocks. They struggled to read plays quickly and trigger, um, you know, basically understanding where they needed to be within the defense. Um, to me, the biggest thing I think this coaching staff needs to figure out is who at who on this team at linebacker has the instincts. Um, I think athleticism can be overrated a little bit at linebacker. It is important, but to me at the college level, give me guys with instincts, guys that know where they need to be and, and you know, can get there relatively quickly. You look at guys like Shaq Quarterman, Michael Pinckney, Um, you know, I know I fell into this trap personally, uh, you know, we kind of hold Miami linebackers to an almost impossible standard guys like Ray Lewis, Dan Morgan, John Vilma, DJ Williams, John Beeson, all these guys that are special, special, special talents. Um, so we know what first round picks look like at linebacker. Um, but it's, it, it should also be understood what good college football linebackers look like. And Shaq Corneman and Michael Pinckney were good college football linebackers. And we saw that tremendous drop-off here in 2020. Um, you know, Quarterman and Pinckney weren't necessarily the most athletic linebackers, but they still played with, with good instincts. They knew where they needed to be the majority of the time. And so they were in position to make plays. Miami needs to find those type of guys um, this spring. And I know the fan base 
is very optimistic on middle linebacker Corey Flagg, who, you know, I think might have flashed some of those abilities, you know, specifically in the Duke game. So how much can we really take from that performance? I don't know. But he did flash a little bit in that game. Chris, what do you expect of of Corey in 2021? Because I I do think he will probably emerge as the middle linebacker, but I don't know how impactful he will be. Yeah, and I know the fan, you you mentioned the fans, but I know the coaches are, you know, at least, you know, the the previous staff, you know, I know Manny Diaz speaks highly of Corey and they like him and um, I'm, I'm on the, I'm definitely want to wait and see what he does. I think there were maybe flashes of positive stuff, but I think last year, if we're going to talk about the positive, he had flashes of negative play as well. Um, sure. Yeah. I, I think that they, they like him. I'm, I'm curious, is, is it just one of these things where you just go down the line? Like yeah. with, with the young players, like, <laughs> Oh, Sam Brooks, he's the next guy. And you look and like, wow, he didn't really take that step step. I know a lot of people right. like Avery Huff. He can't get on the field. What's going on there? I don't know. Let's go to the next young guy. And is right. that what we're doing with Corey? Maybe, but I think, you know, you, you look at this group, you want somebody to step up. You want, you want somebody to do well. And and yeah, will you find a Quarterman or Pinkney, you know, just a really good um, a player, you know, those are all ACC caliber linebackers. And we'll see if one of these guys does that. I think Corey is one of those guys to watch in the spring I, I, I'm going to be paying attention to, you know, maybe how they're talking about him. And um, right. I think how he moves like athletically, I think that's a big thing. Um, but yeah, I think without question, but you know what, while there's a lot of attention on, on Corey, you know, this is Bradley Jennings job to lose. You know, he started every game last year and, you know, even though the production wasn't exactly what you would like, you know, it's still a guy with a lot of experience and we'll see how Miami, um, balances that with with Bradley if they're going to stick with that experience in the middle and kind of work Corey in or, or play them both or you know just you know if Corey's going to be able to beat out Bradley this spring and summer I'll say this about Corey and you know the point kind of transitioned to the weak side guys too um, but with, with Corey I will say an encouraging thing with him as a prospect and again this is the high school level so take it with a grain of salt I guess Uh, but he was a tackling machine at the high school level. And typically um, when you evaluate high school linebackers, you know, the the tackle number translates from high school to college. So if if that is the case with Corey, um, you know, that, that will definitely be a positive sign for Miami's future at middle linebacker. Another guy in the same class that was also a tackling machine was Tyreek Austin Cave. Um, I think this, the staff kind of views him more as a weak side linebacker. So he'll certainly be in the mix there. If, if I was going to handicap it, Chris, in terms of like who, who I think is the favorite to win the job there at this stage, I'd probably still say Sam Brooks. Um, but I, I, you know, I do think it's wide open. Do you have a feel for who you would consider the quote unquote favorite to be the weak side linebacker in 2021 at this way too early stage. Yeah, I think it's Sam's. Um, I, I think Sam going into his third year, whatever happened last season, um, it, it just didn't go the way that he would have liked. But yeah, I think, you know, year three and let's see him to kind of turn the corner. I think he's the guy to watch for. And just to add with Corey, another thing to really like, you know, he went to North Shore there in Texas and that's a big time program. I always like guys that are in those competitive environments. Um, you know, and I know Corey wants to have success. So just kind of going back on him, but yeah, I think Sam Brooks is that guy. Um, you know, they, they like Tyreek a little bit, you know, with the things that he did last season in his first year, but I think it's Sam is the big one to watch, especially if they're moving, you know, with moving off McLeod, um, putting him at defensive end, if that's going to be his whole, you know, if that's where he's going to be all spring or if they're going to move him back. And, um, but yeah, certainly expecting him at defensive end. Then I, I think it opens up for Sam to take that spot. And you know, with the striker position, Miami returns its top two guys, Gilbert Frierson and Keontre Smith. Um, you know, I think it, it was both of their kind of first real uh, action in their in their roles. Uh, Frierson got his got his feet wet a little bit in, in 2019, but he really was was the guy in 2020. He definitely flashed some nice things. You know, like any young player in his first year starting, needs to clean up some some inconsistencies. I think the staff kind of views 
Gilbert as the coverage striker, right? And, and I think they view Keontre as the run support type striker. Um, so, you know, I, I think there it's just kind of a, they're, they're hoping for the, the year over year uh, cleaning up the, the inconsistencies and improving in that regard. How do you think Frierson and Smith played relative to their experience in 2020, Chris? Yeah, I think Keontra is kind of just settling into that role, um, you know, special teams as well. Just kind of, you know, when he gets in there, I, I don't know what more he's going to be able to bring to the team. Um, but in saying that, you know, I remember thinking about Romeo Finley and his role um, and how he just emerged into a really productive player. Um, so, you know, not writing counter off. And I think Gilbert, Gilbert's an interesting one just because, you know, he's played a lot. Um, I think maybe they can do a little bit more with him now as he's getting more experience. Um, you know, will he take that next jump? I, I think he was productive last year in, in spots. I find that striker position very interesting. And I know why it's there, right? Like, you know, mm-hmm. defend the pass. Teams come out with multiple wide receivers, if, especially if they're going hurry up. You don't have time to make substitutions and things like that. But I think the thing to look for, you know, and they're not going to change their defense. This is a philosophy. But the, the thing is, when you have that striker position, it really puts a lot of pressure on the linebackers, the other two guys, to really be productive. And I think what we've seen – they really struggle in the run game at times um, when teams come out really run, having good running backs and a good running scheme. And I think the way that Miami's defense is set up with their linebacker striker combination that they've struggled. So I think being able to tackle, um, you know, inside the box in the, in the running game, I think it's important for Gilbert to be able to do that and not just be, you know, in that role against the pass, but obviously, you know, he got a little bit bigger last year That'll be something to watch for this year if he got a little bit bigger as well for this season. And just being able to attack the run a little bit better, I think will be important for that striker position. I think the last thing to touch on here at this linebacker level going into spring is it's a kind of a new look uh, position coach uh, staff with, with that, with that level of the defense, right? They're moving Jonathan Patkey from strikers to the inside backers they hired uh, Ishmael Aristide as the strikers coach, who was a defensive analyst at Texas A&M. So this is his first time being a true position coach at the college level. And I think too, you know, it's worth noting, I'm sure Manny Diaz, now that he's going to be the defensive coordinator in 2021, his background is in coaching linebackers. Um, So I'm sure he will also be heavily involved kind of replacing uh, Blake Baker, so to speak, in that in that role too. Um, what is your take on these moves, Chris? D- did Miami improve? Did they did things kind of remain the same in your opinion, or is it a downgrade? Yeah, and I know there was a lot of attention and criticism with Blake Baker, but he did have experience, more experience than the coaches that are there now at the linebacker position. I, I think the biggest thing for Coach Ari Steed and, and even with Patkey moving in will be that recruiting. They've got to get really good linebackers in the recruiting class. I, I know they got in Deshaun Troutman there in Orlando. They're hoping he um, will be a productive player in the future. But I, I think that's where it starts. They've got to get really be in the mix there. And then you know, regardless of who's on campus, it's like this with every coach, you, you got to develop these guys, regardless of their ratings and, and things like that. Once they get on campus, it's about your development. And I think, I think we'll see, you know, immediately, you know, I, I don't think they could go with another season of just really bad play at linebacker. Um, so we'll see how, if they improve, but I, again, Blake had a, a lot of, you know, criticism his way, but he did coach the linebackers. And I remember talking, you know, it was such an interesting dynamic with Blake, with the, he comes in and they got Corneman and Pinckney kind of fitting in there. And then um, when they left, there was a, a whole new group of young guys um, just for that season last year. So it'll be interesting, but yeah, coach Diaz will certainly have his hands on the defense. Once again, I, I almost wonder if people quite understand how much involvement he does have with the defense and practices and whatnot. He's still heavily involved. So look for the scheme to be similar and the position coaches that they've uh, made changes with, I think it starts with recruiting. They've got to recruit at a high level. And I think, you know, Coach Arcita has done well with that in the roles he's been in. And, uh, you know, he gets that step up. So I, I do find it interesting, you know, Patkey going inside, 
Patrick was a guy that, you know, he joined the staff as a guy that once they expanded the coaching staff, he was the guy that um, got the full-time role there. And then he's been coaching strikers, which doesn't have as much attention, you know, in special teams coach, but now he's stepping into the, to a key position on the defense and, and we'll see, you know, he has some experience at UM and he does know these guys and, and what they need to, to do to be successful. Yeah. I think it's pretty clear. Manny Diaz evaluated uh, what went wrong with the defense. And I think you could make the argument that he kind of felt like he needed to be back involved even more so with the linebackers. So I expect that to happen now that he is the uh, defensive coordinator in name. Um, and we'll see how that development of that position group goes. Um, so let's move on to the secondary now, Chris, where Miami returns essentially everyone, right? And um, I don't think that's something to just brush aside. I think secondary is hugely important on a defense, right? Pass rush and secondary um, because football is becoming a passing game. Um, I know the secondary is, is always a hot button topic um, with Miami fans here recently. And I get it in some cases, right? Like, there are some plays that leave you scratching your head, but overall I'm not quite so sure the group is, is necessarily uh, as bad as maybe some of the fan base uh, says or, or, or believes. I, I, I tend to, I tend to fall on the side of college football is trending towards uh a passing game where passing the ball is becoming more efficient and more explosive every year. And so if you're viewing uh, pass defense through the lens of, you know, early 2000s football or even, you know, football in 2010, um, yeah, then pass defense, modern day pass defense is not going to look the same to you, right? I guess this is a long way of meandering, uh, me asking you, Chris, do you think the secondary deserves kind of the criticism it might have been getting in 2020? Uh, do you think it was fair? Do you think it was a little over overdone? Um, and just in general, you know, how good is this secondary? Is it bad? Is it a is it average? Is it above average? What are your thoughts on this group as a whole? Yeah. And I think you touched on, I think the, the thing that stands out to me, but especially the cornerbacks, you know, when you give up a 20 yard play or, you know, it just looks really bad. Or if it's a third down and you give up a play, people remember that. And, and it, it becomes a big thing. And I think what's happening a little bit, not just that you're not seeing those big interceptions on the sure. other way to give you like a, a lot of positive about what's going on. That makes sense. Like the gauge yes. only goes one way or they're just giving up passes all left and right. Which is a fair criticism, the lack of turnovers. And I think if that, I think that's the biggest thing that I'll look for in this, the spring, summer, you know, next season, I think that's the biggest area they need to improve on safety as well. And I apologize. I don't have the numbers in front of me on interceptions for that group, but it's certainly not very many. And I think that's where they can make the greatest strides. And, and I remember, you know, we go, we, you know, we're, we're analyzing stuff on pro football focus all the time, every week. And I remember going through, I remember going through every cornerback in the ACC, you know, midway through the year at some point to see where Miami's guys stacked up. And, and I was a little surprised that they were better than maybe the perception, um, particularly with DJ sure. Ivy um, was a guy that actually was more favorably viewed by pro football focus than maybe the perception of his abilities. But yeah, I, I think that the, the criticism is fair. And I, I think, you know, not just the interceptions, but, you know, bat some passes down. And you saw the things to Corey Couch did with making big plays with his tackles, tackles for loss and even sacks. So I think I think fans, I think that the, the staff, I think everybody wants to just see a little bit more bigger plays on the positive, um, the positive side. And you, and you want to feel like your guys are winning battles against receivers. You don't want to look up and see a guy – go six for 110 and a couple touchdowns. You know, you want to be able to to lock these guys down and not give up passes, particularly if the defensive ends. I think that's a big thing. I think that we'll, we'll see defensive ends, the play from last season, even the year before with Rousseau, maybe hit a little bit of um, the coverage 
Um, sure. Even in that sense, even if with the criticism. So now if they're not there and you're not getting that pass rush, what right. does it look like on the back end? I think there are concerns and, and we'll see how these guys perform, but you've got experience uh, from all those guys. You mentioned the guys returning. Um, kind of curious who you think are the best ones or yeah. So if, so if Miami's searching for playmakers, right. I'm, I'm kind of looking at Bubba Bolden um, who, who has flashed the ability, right. He's flashed playmaking ability. I think he needs to raise his floor. He needs to raise his consistency level. Maybe he's searching too much for the big play. Maybe that's an issue for him. But I think he had. I think he can bring playmaking potential to the table. And then you know, I think you look at Tyreek Stevenson, right? The the transfer addition from Georgia. I think you and I are both high on his potential from seeing him in his high school days in uh, in Miami back in the day. So the hope would be he could be a, a playmaker. And I'm with you. I think you you kind of mentioned to Corey Couch showed that ability. I'm with you. Um, I, I would probably say he might be the best man coverage corner that we've seen so far, uh, you know, on this roster play, play in games. So I kind of look at those three. Would you, would you agree at those with the, on those three with me, or would you, would you nominate someone else? Or what do you think there? Well, Al Blaze Jr. has played a lot. We don't know exactly where he's at with his health um, after what happened last season. So he's kind of a wild card there, but he has played. And at times he plays okay or plays well. I think DJ Ivy still strikes me as a guy that that should be counted on. Um, in yeah. A, in a certain sense. Like, look, he's got to be better. I understand it. But I do like the length that he has there. I think well, I was talking to people about him in the off season and they feel like he's got another step. Like he can still make more progress. So I think sure. he's a guy, I think, look to Corey Couch certainly, certainly showed flashes. And the one thing, maybe not pushback necessarily, but maybe you're looking at to Corey as just being good in the slot where you can blitz him off the edge. Um, right. Like he's shown. And I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know if blades or Ivy can do what, what to Corey does there. And in that sense, if you're ter- determining what roles guys can fit in, um, maybe that's something that you're considering in terms of where to put guys um, on certain spots. But I, I think it's those guys. So they'll all be in the mix, assuming they're healthy and ready to go. But um, would you say, like, do you view DJ? And I, I'm probably higher on DJ than most. And Al Blades, you know, I'm with you. Like, he's he's been fine, right? But would you say those two guys have playmaking ability from what we've seen so far? Maybe. I mean, I, I, they're not, I don't think they're going to have an Artie Burns type season where they have six picks early on, you know, halfway right. through the year or anything like that. But I think they could do a little bit more than they've done. Um, you know, get their hands on a little bit more balls in the air, uh, prevent the big plays. I think there's a little bit more that they could give. And, and not to say that, you know, I don't think you look at these guys as, oh, they're going to have huge years, all ACC first team right. type guys. But I think, I think they can be better than they've been. I think that they've improved each year maybe not at the rate that you're hoping for but again experienced corners and um i think sometimes when there's i I think some in general when when that's all the criticism that some players or or even coaches get i think there's a okay they're not that bad even right you know what i mean like i think there's a point like okay they're not you know Right. Uh, I feel good about the fourth corner, right? Like the floor of the group to me is pretty good, right? Like you compare, compare the fourth corner of Miami compared to other teams in the ACC. I bet Miami's fourth corner is, you know, better than a lot of these teams. Right. And that was one of the things that I noticed when I broke down the, you know, the, the corners, I I did the top three last year for each team. and, And that's where my cutoff was just who had played the most. And yeah, sometimes the team would have one good corner, grayed out really well. Maybe it was two, but man, drop into that third corner spot. A lot of these teams, it would be a big drop off. And um, yeah, it's for Miami to feel like they've got four going into the year. Um, guys that they can roll out there multiple, you know, snaps in a game, they, they've got to feel good about that. You just don't have that right now. You just don't have that that right. ultimate number one. And maybe you're looking at Tyreek as being that. Maybe Takori takes that big jump or the other guys, you know, certainly show that. So I, I think, you know, we'll see it certainly ACC caliber players and starting players. I think a fair way to push back on Miami's corners though, is 
I think it is fair to point out like that they do, they have kind of struggled when they face the elite wide receivers or the very good wide receivers. Um, you know, you look at UAB in the season opener, Austin Watkins, um, you know, had, had some nice catches on, on DJ Ivy, Tutu Atwell and, and at, you know, Louisville, I think Diami Brown, that was kind of unfair to expect uh, DJ Ivy to play bump and run coverage against Diami Brown. Uh, but that's the position he was in and Diami Brown kind of took it to him. Right. So I don't, I don't know. I think it's fair to point out like, Hey, these guys struggle against the top, top, top dudes. But I think it's also fair to point out like, look, most college corners do right. Do, do you kind of understand where I'm going with this? Yeah, definitely. And I think, I think maybe that's where the group is. Like they're, they're not essentially better than those top receivers um, where they could just completely shut down. And right. maybe even thinking about some of the shutdown corners, really good corners that we've seen at Miami over the years. Um, but, you know, they're not facing those teams right. all the time. And, and um, yeah, you know, there's other factors that play into it. Again, I just wonder what this group will look like without the defensive end pressure that it doesn't seem like they're going to have as much um, as they had in the last couple of years. So maybe, you know, they're going to be tested. And I, I think that the, the spring will be good for them too. Cause there's a lot of, I like, I feel like I asked this a lot to the corner defensive backs. I like when they've got multiple guys to go against in practice, you got the smaller, quicker guys, the bigger guys with some speed, you know, possession, just a mul- multiple receivers to get really good looks at in practice. And I think they've got that with this group, other than I've talked about it before, not enough size at the position, receiver, but I still think there's a lot of different type of guys that are going to challenge these corners every day in practice. And I think running one-on-ones as often as possible will certainly help this group uh, continue to either gain confidence or develop. So two more quick questions on, on corner or quick talking points on corner, and then we'll move on to safety. Uh, Tyreek Stevenson. I, I do expect him to be Miami's top corner in, in 2021. Do you as well? Yeah, I do. And I think that if he's not, and if he's not that, that I think they're going to have some troubles there, but yeah, I, I'm expecting him to be their best guy and, and kind of immediately against uh, in the opener. And then the, the young guys, Marcus Clark, Isaiah Dunson, do either of them intrigue you for 2021 or do you still feel like they're kind of a year away? Yeah. I, I either, I don't know enough about them or I haven't heard enough positive, however you want to look at it, but yeah, I'm sure. not as, um, feeling like these guys are going to make an impact this year. And, and it's not like I felt that way, like before with Takori Couch, when he was a young player, I did like the things I had known about him um, with Dunson and Clark. I'm just not there at that level. Um, and, and I don't see them being a factor unless somebody gets hurt, but I, I think they're going to have a, I, I don't see them automatically just jumping one of those four. Uh, I don't see that as a possibility, but I think, you know, it's certainly, it could look a lot different the year after in 2022 with how many guys will be around. And these guys got to be ready. I, I think all defensive players, doesn't matter the position, you got to do well on special teams. So if they get roles there, they've got to do really well there. And I think that will be the key in watching them. And again, m- uh, make plays and spots as much as possible in practices. Moving on to safety. I think the headliner there is Bubba Bolden, right? Who kind of went through the NFL draft grade process once the season was over. Right. And my understanding is he got kind of like a fifth roundish type grade decided to come back, obviously to improve his draft stock, get better as a player. Um, I just want to straight up ask you, Chris, can Bubba be, if not the best, you know, maybe a first team all ACC safety. If he does make some some improvements to his game, what what are your thoughts on him? Yeah, he was playing at that level the first half of the year. I, I want to say he got a couple. I think two um, defensive back of the week awards um, mm-hmm. right there at the beginning. He was playing at that level early on, and it did not happen in the second half for multiple reasons. And um, some reasons it's hard to figure out, but that's the jump. You want to see him. He's back for another year a full year at Miami. He feels like it feels like he's got clear goals on what he wants to get accomplished. Um, even last year when he was having his, his success, I remember um, coaches still saying, you know, there's more that he can do um, well, do better, improve on um, even though things were going well for him at the time. I, I think, I think again, I've talked about this before, but the leadership qualities 
really taking control of things. I think that's something to watch for with, with Bubba. And I, I've actually been surprised he's not made more plays on the ball and um, but he just hasn't. He's either not, whether it's instincts or a little bit late to react or not in the right position, whatever it might be, he's not made as many plays as I would have expected. And, and that's something that I think if he's going to improve his draft status in the next year, I think that'll be the biggest thing to watch for is, you know, will he be making plays on the ball? At the other safety spot, honestly, I don't know what to make of it. Um, you know, that Miami's going to return Amari Carter. Miami's going to return uh, Gervin Hall. Both, both of those guys have obviously played a ton of football at Miami here in, in recent seasons. Um, one of the, the more intriguing news items of the offseason so far is Avante Williams, the former top 50 recruit in the country in the 2020 class, has been medically cleared to play this spring. So that's certainly good news. I think you know, what I'm interested in is how much of a shot is Avante really going to have, uh, you know, to potentially be a starter, because I, I do think he's a special talent, uh, very rangy, uh, you know, willing hitter. Um, he's exactly what you want in a safety. And I think he would like his style of play fits, matches up well with Bubba Bolden's style of play. Uh, but again, it, it's probably unfair to expect him to play much considering Miami returns, Amari, Gervin, even Brian Balaam, who, you know, Ephraim Banda was a big fan of. We'll see if, if Travaris Robinson is, is as big of a fan. Um, but I guess this is a, another long way of asking you, Chris, do you expect, um, do you expect Avante to, to really make a push for playing time or should we just expect to see those veteran guys we've, we've been seeing here? I know people are going to be excited and they want to know what Avante does and would like to think he's going to get that shot. And, and we'll see if he really does really well. And maybe it's, it's not going to be a question. I just feel like defensive coaches in general, they like that experience. I feel like they have a hard time pulling the trigger on young guys, even if maybe you're looking at upside or things like that. I, I, I just feel like, look, Amari Carter, wasn't always playing high caliber football for the Hurricanes the last couple of years, but he's been in there and they like him and they like experience. They trust him, all those kind of things. And, and we'll see. I just feel like that's who they like. Um, he played, he started almost every game last year. He's back. Um, I'd like to think, um, well, I think that they're going to, I think they're going to stick with him and Gervin Hall's played a lot. I think, I know you talked about Avante cause he's here in the spring and, and James Williams is not, but if you're talking about what safeties I, I want to see out there, I think you immediately get James Williams in there. I think you put him in a starter's role. I think he's a difference maker. And I think also too, you've got, and I know you're always in the moment for a season, but you also got to build for the future. And we've seen young safeties with talent get inserted immediately in their first year. And I think James is that guy and I think James can handle it. And I think um, the sooner that you can get him in there, the better. And I don't know if we're going to see that even as talented as he is. And, you know, that, that won't be decided until the fall, but um, certainly Avante is player to watch. And, and I'm also curious if any of these safeties are really going to be able to play corner. Um, if they're going to give any of these guys a look, I know Jalen Harrell's a guy to consider, um, but, it, but if any of those guys not just move over, but can make an impact. Let me ask you a tough question here because I don't know which way I would go. Who do you like more as a player, Gervin Hall or Amari Carter? Yeah, probably Amari. Um, I don't like that Gervin is, I don't know what happened. Like you just yeah. didn't see him. You haven't seen him make a, enough big plays. I, you know, I think, um, you know, I think it's hard to talk about Amari without thinking about these, these targeting calls, but uh, right. And I know he's like, you know, some of it's a step slow or step off, a step behind. Um, but yeah, I, I think Amari has shown that he's a little bit better of a player than Gervin. Um, and, you know, he's got a ton of experience. So I think you, you feel a little bit better there. So yeah, I think of those two and I, and I, I feel like, I don't know if most people would say that, or maybe just, I don't know. You know those to be things honest. where you keep slotting down to the younger player, but um I, I think I will say this, even though my opinion is, you know, James will be good enough to, to be in there from day one. I, I think Amari has got a role on this team. I think they still want to rotate right. guys in and if James struggles or whatever. And also again, special teams can be a really important 
spot for some of these guys. Um, I think I think both Amari and Gervin um, should excel there. But um, yeah, it'll be interesting, you know, just to see if Amari can be a little bit better than he's been. And Gervin too, because Gervin the year before had racked up all those tackles and, you know, but again, both of those guys are kind of lacking on the, the playmaking ability on the back end and um, essentially just not good enough in the run game sometimes to on their angles or just making tackles, uh, period. So let's go, let's play a game. Uh, this is just our opinions, right? And we'll, we'll allow even like James Williams, right? The guys who will be on the team in the fall, not necessarily on the team yet in the spring. But the two start, we can only pick two corners and two safeties who we'd like to see in 2021. So I'll go, I'll just throw mine out there first. I'll go corners, I'll go Tyreek, and I'll go. uh, I'll take the other one. So you pick one, I'll take the other. Okay, deal. I'll go Tyreek. No, no, you pick your. I know oh. you're struggling on your second corner because I, I would have Ty- Tyreek as well. I just feel like you're you're well, whistling over this. I'll go DJ Ivy. I'll go DJ. Okay, I thought Ivy. you were going to go Couch, so that's why I was going to take Ivy. <laughs> so we both go DJ Ivy. I like the size. That that's just where I'm at with corners in general. I think he's good enough there. I've always enough. I've always been higher than I feel like most of the fan base. So I'm just going down with the ship there, I guess. But I do get it. Like if you put DJ Ivy on a speedster it's going to be a tough matchup for him, right? So just don't put him in those positions, and I think he'll be fine. Yeah, and it's not really to knock to Corey because, again, to Corey, if he takes another big jump, you know, we saw a jump this past year, he can certainly be out there all the time too, and, and maybe that's where it is because I've liked to Corey. I like to Corey well. too, yeah. I think Corey's right there for me. That role where, you know, if you want to keep him in that role where you can blitz him a little bit more, I, I just don't think Blades and, and Ivy can do that as effectively as to Corey, so... I would think about, you know, just having him in that role. Cause what you don't want is you always line him up in a certain spot and then teams recognize, okay, if when he's lined up, he does this 90% of the time. So you want to kind of avoid that, I think. And then safety, I'll go Bubba Bolden and I'll say Avante, even though it might be unrealistic. I'd like to see, you know, I'm big on talent, right? I know you are too. So James Williams, obviously another huge talent too. I'd be totally cool with seeing him back there, but I'll go Avante um, and Bubba Bolden are the two safeties I'd love to see emerge as the starters in 2021. Yeah, that makes sense. And, and again, he's if he's cleared to go, like, you know, he's, he announced he's cleared to go and, and we'll see him out there all the time is what you're hoping for. And then, again, he's got the new, uh, new coaches there in the back. So let's see what he can do. And you got to figure a guy like that's really itching to, to do well with a sense of urgency after not being able to play mm-hmm. uh, last year. So last thing before we just give our overall thoughts on the defense, and we can just make this real quick. So Miami has new uh, coaches in the secondary as well, right? Demarcus Van Dyke elevated from an off-field role to coach corners now, replacing Mike Rumpf and Travaris Robinson, kind of just the whole secondary coach. So he's kind of, he's going to also be coaching up DVD, right? Um, so he kind of replaces Ephraim Banda in a sense. Um, you know, I'm not talking down, like I thought the Mike Rumpf hate in terms of development was a little overdone. I thought he was a fine coach. I think the criticism with recruiting was fair, but I think Mike Rumpf was a fine coach, fine developer, um, with what he had to work with. Um, and you know, I don't have any issues with Ephraim Banda either. He definitely recruited at a high level, especially here recently. And to me, that's what kind of it's all about. Um, but I will say, I think the addition of Travaris Robinson is huge. I think he is one of the best secondary coaches and recruiters in the country, period. And so just the addition of him, in my opinion, I think things have been upgraded on the defensive coaching staff in that regard. And so I'm curious how things come together in 2021 um, because of his addition. Do you have an opinion in that regard? Yeah, and I feel like with Coach T. Rob, I mean, you know, and even DVD, just maybe just just a different voice. Um, again, I wasn't as down. You know, I'm not as usually as critical of the, the the position coaches for assistant coaches. You know, I understand the criticism of the coordinator position, but just in position coaches in general, I'm not as um, just as critical of this group. Even when 
things don't necessarily work out with recruiting. But I think just a different voice will be good. And I think T. Rob, you, you gave him high praise there. But I, you know, I just remember he's kind of been a uh, a quality a, a guy that you've considered as a quality coach for a while. I remember being yeah. at a high school event when Jaquan Johnson was a freshman at Killian, and and T. Rob was getting a lot of praise then. Um, he's yeah. just been a guy that you've kind of known in the recruiting circles and paid attention to because um, you, you just heard good things about him and, and things like that. So I think a different voice will be good and um, and good, good for everybody. And hopefully it works out in recruiting because that's where a lot of the criticism comes from. Right. A lot of these coaches, if you get the guys and, and honestly, <laughs> recruiting is a big deal. You know, I know some people, if they're not a fan of recruiting, you, you, you scoff at it a little bit, but it makes a difference in the guys you get in. So definitely all, a lot of these guys that this, that Diaz brought in in the off season, you, 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 they will be there to, or to really help with recruiting or they have a good, strong recruiting backgrounds or whatever it might be, but recruiting will be a, a certainly a, a central aspect for a lot of these coaches. So what's a fair expectation for this defense? You know, again, this is way too early opinion, right? We still got to go through spring. We still got to go through summer. We still got to go through fall camp. Um, shit. Is it fair to expect this defense to be improved from, from last year when, you know, in 2020, things did take a step back from what we had seen during the Manny Diaz defensive era? Um, can, can this defense get back closer to what we had, what we had come to know during that Manny Diaz defensive era? Or, you know, are things going to stay the same or, or will things even get worse maybe? I think if I were to guess right now, I, I would. I have a hard time seeing how it's going to be improved until the linebackers, whoever they have on the roster, whoever they have out there for the majority of the snaps, until that position improve. It's a hard for me to say that you're going to see a lot of improvements. You talk about the experience on the back end. You like that. You like that. You know, maybe you see some some play on the defensive end, so the the other guys stepping in. Um, Nesta Jade Silvera another year defensive tackle, but it, you know. You don't have, I look at it like you don't have the linebackers where you want them to be. And now you lose premier defensive ends. And I just kind of wonder where this defense is, and particularly if you don't have a group that's turn, you know, creating turnovers, making big plays, then where's this defense going to be? And again, it's hard for me to just automatically assume everything is going to be better when sure. they really struggled against better teams, uh, better offenses, because they'll be challenged once again. So, yeah, I think that's totally fair. In the spring and summer and not to say that they can't get there. I just haven't, I'm looking forward to seeing how their improvement goes and, and maybe, you know, in a few months things will be different or have a different feeling, but that's what spring ball is all about. You know, guys, yeah. um, regardless of what you think of them, you know, they get chances to perform and, and change that opinion. So that, that'll be the biggest thing, you know, regardless of inexperience and all that kind of stuff, let's see who gets better in the spring. Yeah. It's interesting to me because this is kind of the first year where like, going into a season here recently where to me the identity of this team needs to be offensive driven right so I think I think Manny Diaz and I think he does uh, I think he embraces kind of you know offense is what wins football games now and so I think he's going to lean into that even more in 2021 and I think the hope will be you know, the defense kind of needs to just be good enough, right? Be good enough in situations, third down, red zone, you know, all the cliches, force field goals, not touchdowns, all the all, all that good stuff. And so, yeah, I, I don't know if it's necessarily going to be better, but I think maybe the hope would be the defense can maintain a level, the same level in terms of points per game allowed, um, while the offense improves um, year over year in the amount of points per game they are averaging. So that's just kind of how I view things uh, going into this spring. And like you said, it'll be interesting to see the development of the linebacker position and the defensive end position, because in my mind, that's, that's obviously where the big question marks are for me on this whole team, you know, wide receiver, defensive end, linebacker, Let's see what those position groups got. All right. Um, just, to, just to add, just real quick, I think with head coach Manny Diaz having that defensive background, he's not, I think he's always going to push the envelope on improving the defense and, and it's a point sure. of emphasis for him and that's his identity. So you, you've got to like that in terms of wanting to improve that side of the ball. So that wraps us up with the spring previews. 
Um, again, Manny Diaz, Rhett Lashley going to speak to the media on Friday. So check out Inside the U for all the latest updates uh, from those availabilities. I'm sure there'll be some news dropping um, during those availabilities, whatever it may be. And first practice is on Monday. So, you know, we'll, we'll either record, we'll record the next podcast probably after that first availability, whether that's Monday afternoon or Tuesday morning. Kind of give our, our quick takeaways on the early, early stuff we've learned from the month of, for, from the first practice of spring football. So uh, news never stops. Um, basketball team getting ready to tip off here. So we'll see if they can keep that momentum going. Baseball team, uh, you know, had a nice little midweek win, right? So uh, plenty of news, plenty of sports to follow with the Miami Hurricanes. And uh, thanks again for listening, guys. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.